Welcome to Tramlines, a podcast from Agri. I'm your host, Tony Smith, putting your questions to the experts. In this episode, I'm talking about arable seed treatments with David Leeper, Technical Seed Specialist with Agri. We will be looking at the role of seed treatments for cereals, why we are protecting crops in this way, and how certified seed helps manage seed and seedling diseases. So, hello there, David. Oh, hi, Tony. So the first question I was thinking about is, well, what are the cereal seed diseases? Could you remind us of those? Yes, well, there are a number of seedling uh, and seed diseases that affect arable crops. In cereals, the main disease that we consider are the seedling blights caused by Fusarium and Microdochium species. And these are really damaging diseases. They affect the, the early stages of the crop, so the seedling and they cause the death of the, the roots and the lower part of the stem and can result in a reduced plant stand, reduced emergence and ultimately reduced yield. There are other diseases as well. Um, these are often referred to as the hidden diseases because they're really uh, kept at very low levels uh, through um, the use of seed treatments and seed certification. And these are species like bunt, and bunt is a disease where the seed, the grain, is replaced by bunt spores. And it's a disease which many years ago was very common. In the grain store, you'd smell this fishy smell. But today, it's really all but absent unless you test for it. And where you can find the disease is there, it's endemic, but at very low levels. So those are the two diseases of wheat. In barley, we've again got the seedling blight diseases, but we've got other diseases. And one that people will be very familiar with is loose smut. And we quite frequently see loose smut on farm. Uh, it sits above the crop in the ear, and you see that the ear is replaced by these dark mass of black spores. And again, that reduces the quality of uh, the, the yield of the crop and the quality. And then we've got other diseases which are probably not seed-borne as such, but they're carried through the crop, um, through the combine. And certainly we do see ergot as a, as a major threat in the UK and primarily because it's linked to high blackgrass populations. So ergot comes through on the seed. And again, it's important to restrict that it will be um, liable to cause crop rejection at the point of intake, particularly where it's going into bread making grists. So that serves as a real reminder, doesn't it, to all of us that if we were to relax for a moment or two, it can quickly come back and, uh, and uh, have a real effect on either quality or yields of the crops. So when we actually come on to farm, um, I guess in terms of choices, the first place to start is with the role of seed certification. Would that be fair? Yes, I think we, as a seed company, um, are selling certified seed. And certified seed is the, I suppose, the primer of the pump, really, for, for all agriculture. It's the source through new varieties come to the market. Um, seed is multiplied from an individual plant uh, up to commercial crops. So it has to go through this intense period of mass multiplication and that takes a number of years uh, and we're going from breeder seed through to early stage 
seed through to the C2 seed, which is generally that that's sold to farmers for their own crops. Um, so during that process, that's regulated, so it is scrutinized by the government and there are statutory rules to provide a minimum quality that's both germination, but purity, but also has some controls over the levels of disease. So for example, loose smut and leaf stripe are assessed in terms of those. And where we see those diseases building up within the multiplication system, we have to either address that or reject those crops. So seed health starts with seed certification. It's a critical point. And it has value because we're looking at the crops throughout the growing season. So we're looking at them early. We're looking at the critical flowering phase where we can identify the risk of certain diseases like the seedling blights, the fusarium that's coming in at that point. And then we can take the crops at harvest, check the grain, which it has to go through a certified uh, seed lab to be tested. And again, we can identify at that point where disease may be an issue. Yeah, and you mentioned the standards, which are, you know, they are standards which are in place. Uh, but also, what is higher voluntary standard? Because that's that's a step above, isn't it? And that is that is voluntary. Tell me about what that actually means. Yes, well, the, the Seed Certification Act came in the, in the 60s and is embraced across Europe. Uh, and in Europe, actually, there are minimum standards which are, are well below those which we've accepted in the UK based on this higher voluntary standard. So the, the seed industries come together and actually put in standards for seed purity and disease above that of the minimum European standards, for example. But other companies like Agri and, and others have gone beyond that and actually have higher standards still around the levels of uh, impurities and also disease that comes with the seed. And for example, we apply different higher standards for our master seeds brand. Um, something I really would like you to share with us is the you mentioned the tonnage of seed that um, you process. And I thought it was incredible. Go on, share. Can you remember the figure? Well, I think if we look at the, the national seed certification for 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 cereal seeds, we're talking 180,000 tonnes of seed each year, which is going through on small farms, larger farms, and being bulked up, processed. So the seed industry is, is a big industry. It's a volume industry. And obviously, those tonnes have to be processed within a relatively short space of time. Yes, and it, but it is worth reminding us all that that inspection you know, of those uh, certified crops starts much earlier in the season, just as you said. And that short period of time within which crops are harvested and processed and available, you know, to go back into the ground is is quite an achievement, isn't it? So that's certified seed. Now, what you were also saying was that over the years, farm-saved seed is, has increased in terms of the percentage of seed that goes into the ground. Why is that? Well, I think the there's always been a significant proportion of the acreage being saved by farmers. It's a farmer's right. And uh, with crops that are uh, conventional crops, so they're not hybrids, you can save your own seed, as do many farmers. So about 50% of the UK acreage 
the cereals is, is saved as farm saved seed. And farmers like to do it. You know, they take pride in producing their own seed. They, uh, they know the provenance of the particular uh, seed that then goes on to drill the bulk of their crop area. And they'll often treat their seed very carefully to ensure that it's got the best nutrition and it's stored properly to ensure that it reaches its peak when they're drilling it uh, for their forthcoming crop. But having said that, they always have to then dip back into certified seed to access new varieties. So all farms will be using certified seed or an element of certified seed and farm safe seed as part of their growing system. Yeah, and indeed the, the processing plants, the mobile processing plants are pretty impressive bits of kit, aren't they? Oh, indeed. Yes. I mean, they're a, a mini factory on wheels. They replicate everything we do in a large seed plant, but they just bring that to the farm. So we have precision treaters. We have cleaners that can clean to the same level. And of course, one of the advantages and the, why, the reason farmers like farm safe seed is that they can produce, uh, they can clean it to improve the sample quality by taking out the smaller grains and producing a nice uh, bold, bold sample for their seed crops. Okay. So, you know, many farmers do it and will continue, continue to do that. But of course, they can't do that with hybrid seeds. So again, in the future, as we see more hybrids coming in, farmers will make a decision whether they want to process their seed or indeed buy certified seed. And they'll be, you know, they'll have to do that when it comes to hybrids. And we see that already with hybrid barley and of course with oilseed rape. Are there any particular um, aspects of, of the hybrid crops that a grower needs to be aware of in terms of vulnerability to seed or seedling diseases? No, I think they're treated through certification. We have to remember, Tony, that seed is routinely treated. And so seed-borne diseases, particularly those diseases, the hidden diseases are kept at a very low level. Now, of course, we will see varying levels of seedling blight, depending on the weather conditions year to year, but hybrids are affected as much as conventional varieties. It is fair to say, though, that we do see more ergot in things like barley, and indeed we'll probably see those in hybrid wheats when they come to the market. And the reason being is that they're more open flowering and the ergot spores can affect the crop more easily than the more closed flowering type of conventional varieties. So yeah, seed treatments pretty much game on for hybrids as much, if not more than conventional varieties. Just going back to farm safe seed, just any top tips for farmers there in terms of what they maybe should be looking out for or thinking about in terms of farm safe seed and against seed diseases and seedling diseases? Well, I think the primary thing uh, in terms of seed born diseases is just to be aware of the conditions during flowering, because that critical flowering period is when crops and the, the, the embryo becomes infected by these diseases. So if it's wet, it's damp, it's drizzly, it's grey and cold, those are just the period when the Fusarium species and the Microdochium species infect the ear. So if you see the ears turning pink, for example, and, and you're getting high levels of disease on the ear, that's a warning shot really around the, you know, the need for uh, to be very cautious about 
seed treatments uh, in the autumn. And again, over the, the post um, flowering period during grain fill, keep an eye out for things like loose smut because that will be very you know, present and very easy to identify. And just be careful when you, if that is a seed crop, just to make sure that you are treating it with a product which is active against loose smut. Because unlike some of the other diseases, which are literally sitting on the seed coat, things like loose smut is deep within the embryo. And so some of the superficial um, products, the disinfectant type products, won't necessarily get into the embryo to control that particular disease. Interesting. But there are many products that will. So we have, you know, we have horses for courses, really. But have a look, have a look at, you know, just keep your eyes open is a good indicator of disease levels, particularly of seaborne, sea blight and loose smut. Very interesting. Um, I can really sense your, your deep knowledge of the actual diseases as well, which, uh, which just all makes sense. Thinking now ahead and, and the, you know, the big word at the moment is sustainability and looking ahead to some of the new schemes that will be starting and some of those initiatives. Um, how do you see the role for sea treatments? Well, I think we've known about the, the, these, the, the impact of seed and seed-borne diseases throughout history. So they're not going to go away. And they are diseases which are endemic and are going to be quite pernicious and are going to be with us. But I think what is changing is our approach to uh, seed and uh, seed diseases. Of course, we can test for these diseases, but sometimes there isn't time necessarily to get the test completed to then decide whether or not to treat. We may be under extreme pressure to, to process the crops. Um, and I think in the future, you know, there's going to be continuing pressure in terms of chemical seed treatments, and we're already seeing that. So we are seeing a shift already. A lot of suppliers are looking at biological control agents. And indeed, a couple of years ago, we saw the introduction of uh, the first biological seed treatment in oilseed rape, a bacillus-based product um, supplied by BASF uh, called Integral Pro, and that's a, um, a product which is uh, very active against the seedling blights, the equivalent disease on oilseed rape. So really interesting, but also it has some activity against insect pests. So, you know, at a time when cabbage stem flea beetle is important, it will have, albeit a modest effect, on insects as well. So a lot of interest in biological products, not just for disease, but also in terms of biostimulation. And we're doing work uh, with a lot of companies and, and looking at things that trigger the plant's own defense mechanism. So helping the plant use its own ability to, to beat back against some of these diseases. So it's really exciting stuff, really interesting. Um, but I think it's, it is also fair to say that biological systems, and we're relying on biological control agents, are going to be more dependent on the environment. So they're probably going to work better under warmer growing conditions. And we see that with all seed rape, early drill crop, biological control agents work quite well. But if we put a winter wheat crop into a cold 
wet soil, clay soil in the end of November, whether those systems will work as well is questionable. So we are doing the work and we've got a lot of work and many companies are looking at the work to try and position biologicals as the future for seed treatments. So I think in the medium term, there will be a combination of chemical treatments and the introduction of biologicals. But in the longer term, I'm sure there'll be other solutions that we'll be working on. Where we started was uh, being reminded of some of the uh, seedborne diseases um, and seedling diseases that we would have all been taught in our college days. Those actually haven't changed, it seems, but where the technology, where the science of farming and practical farming is going is constantly evolving, isn't it? So to sort of bring all of this together, uh, as a seedsman, we're early spring right now. Where is your focus? Well, at the moment, uh, in terms of certified seed, I think the, the focus is looking at the opportunities for new varieties, because if even if you're growing farm safe seed, you'll be, again, thinking ahead about new varieties and what they offer. And we'll be... Um, putting messages together around the positioning of those varieties. And we, you know, we're taking a very sustainable approach. I mean, we are seeing that, that there is a definite move away from choosing just the highest yielding varieties with the highest yield potential. There is more of an agronomic focus and a much more, I suppose, savvy and detailed approach to the agronomic positioning of the varieties. And we're working with, um, a range of indicators to identify the best varieties. Sure. And uh, for the, the busy farmer who's out there doing their, uh, their hectic uh, spring workload right at this moment, uh, what, what would you suggest that they could consider right now? Um, I think they need to... Um, I think they, the, the primary thing that farmers need to be thinking about is the rotation because rotation, particularly where we've got issues with things like blackgrass, which has completely changed the landscape of decision-making in terms of farm. I think now is a really good indicator of blackgrass levels uh, and looking forward to the impact of those levels on crop decisions for this autumn. Do I drill a winter crop? Do I delay for a spring crop? If I am going for a winter crop, can I grow wheat or should I be growing hybrid barley, for example. So those decisions, those, those decisions that are maybe not at the variety level or the seed treatment level at this stage, they're looking at planning for the autumn. But again, the impact that that decision will have will then cascade onto things like seed treatments later on to make sure that we've tailored the right product for the right situation. Well, thank you, David, for a very interesting insight into the importance of cereal seed treatment and protecting the seed and seedling, and some interesting thoughts to consider too. That's it for this podcast, but do tune in again as we meet the experts throughout the season, exploring the many immediate and longer-term questions for growers and farmers in the UK. And if you have any questions that you would like us to ask the experts, email info at agri.co.uk. See you next time.